The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. This morning, however, we are going to continue the Advent series by looking at the third candle, the love candle. I actually have been a little bit puzzled as I've been thinking about talking about love. I mean, it's so enormous. Love. It's a many-splendored thing. I mean, it is so massive, the idea of love. Jesus is asked to summarize all the law and the prophets, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Regardless of your faith background, you can have no religious faith background whatsoever. We understand that all we need is love. I mean, the Beatles made that very clear to us in, uh, in the recent past, that, that it's about loving and being loved. That's what life is all about. So it's so huge. It's so key. It's so essential. It's the thing. It's massive, yet it's so nebulous. What is love? Won't hurt me. I mean, there's... <laughs> I mean, so many songs, so many angles. We, get, we love a bagel, and we love our spouse, and so love is just such a puzzling word, and it's so indefinable. But we're talking about the advent of the Messiah. We're talking about the coming of love. What does that mean? Well, in our culture, how do we typically uh, let someone know that we love them? We use words. We use the three magic words. Check this out. All right, uh, you dropped that. That's a big matzo ball hanging out there. That is a big moment in our relationship story, in our love stories. When does that word come out? Does anyone know what Han Solo's response was when Princess Leia said to him, I love you? Anyone? Oh, my goodness, you Star Warsians. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more guy voices than uh, female voices there. Now. But it was in The Empire Strikes Back, and she says, I love you. And he says, he says, I know. And then he goes, and he gets frozen in carbonite. How romantic could it be? I mean, that is just as romantic as a movie could possibly be. My understanding of that scene is that they didn't actually know how that was going to go about. And he originally in the script was going to say, I love you too. And they didn't know how this was going to work. And at one point, Harrison Ford, just said, I know, and they loved it, and they kept it, and I don't know, maybe it's Star Wars folklore, but that's just kind of how that scene uh, shaped, and it, and it took place. It's a big deal. It's a big word. I remember the, uh, the, the time specifically when I said that to my wife. She's the only person that I ever said those three words to that I meant. Um, <laughs> no, she really is the only person that I ever... That ever said those three words to? It's a big deal. That word love, it's a powerful word. And it can be used for in, in a number of different ways. We can use that word to manipulate. Sometimes, uh, you know, we may be in a dating relationship. You, if you're in a dating relationship and uh, some uh, comments would be repeatedly uh, started with the phrase, uh, if you loved me, you would da, 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 da. If that's a part of your dating relationship, Run away. <laughs> Run away. I mean, that's just kind of a manipulative use of the word. Sometimes it can be a warning sign. If my wife says to me, honey, I love you, I know I'm in trouble. I mean, buckle up. Uh, I know something. I mean, that word is just so powerful. We use that word. We throw that around. So 
we're talking about the coming of the Messiah. We're talking about the coming, the advent of love. And so, does Jesus, the Messiah, does Jesus love us? Well, of course he does. We sing the song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? We know the song. It makes it very clear. Where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible show that Jesus ever uses the word, I love you? Does Jesus ever say, I love you, to the disciples? Does he ever say it to us? I just want to say to all the people who will once follow me that I love you. Does he ever say it to his mom? Nope. Never. Never does he use those words. Never does he say, I love you. Never does he say it to Peter, James, John, Martha, Mary. He never says those words. Yet we know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves us. Why? Because of his actions. It's, it's not just the words that come out of his mouth. Yes, there's a number of passages that talks about God's love for us and Jesus' love for others, etc. But Jesus never says, I love you. What he does is he shows us that he loves us by his actions. What we're talking about this morning is love beyond words. Love that goes beyond the words that come out of our mouth. When I was a kid... I used to periodically get in trouble. I know that's a little stretch for you. Some of you are thinking, what? How could that possibly be the truth? But I know, just stretch your mind a little bit. I used to get in trouble periodically. I grew up in, in western Canada, in Edmonton, straight north of here, and it would snow on a regular basis uh, multiple times a week, and it was my job to shovel the snow. And it was a big deal. You had to keep up with that job. For some of you who are from the north, you know what I'm talking about, that if you don't shovel snow on a regular basis, then the car will go over the driveway or footprints will walk over the sidewalk that goes in the front of the house and then the snow will get packed down. And when the snow gets packed down enough, you can't scrape it anymore. You, it gets packed down so much it becomes ice and you can't shovel it anymore without kind of jamming and picking at the whole thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a big deal to keep up with it. Otherwise, there's a layer of ice and snow that forms underneath and then you have cars slipping and you have people slipping and it's a big problem. And so there would be times where, uh, even though I understand it's my job to keep up with the shoveling, where I wouldn't keep up with it. Because I'd be distracted with other things. I'd be playing hockey or I'd be over at the church praying for people. Um, <laughs> whatever I was doing, because I was not shoveling the snow. And then my dad would very understandably get upset because it's my job and it's a big deal and he was counting on me. And I did not want to disappoint my dad. And so I would, I would say, and I would feel it, I would say, I'm sorry, I would sob, because I I it hurt me so much to disappoint my dad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my dad came to a point of basically saying, I don't want to just hear your words, son. You need to show me. You need to show me that this matters to you. Don't just tell me you're sorry after the fact. You've got to show me. That our actions, when it comes to love, our actions speak way more powerfully than our words. It's not enough for us to just say to our parents, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's not enough for us to just say to our kids, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's great. I'm not saying don't say those things to each other. Uh, James is very clear about the power of our words. Absolutely. But we got to show that. We've got to be present with our kids. Not just be absent all day and then at the end of the day say, remember, I love you, boom, and then that's it. we got to show love to one another. Love 
is an action word. It's about loving beyond the words. This is, this is hugely significant. In fact, one of Jesus' disciples, the one who's actually referred to as the one whom Jesus loved, is John. And in, uh, I'm just going to read this real quick. First John chapter 3, he says, let us, in verse 18, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So let us not just say the words, the powerful magic words, the matzah ball, throw it out there. Let's love with actions. Let's love with actions. And that's what Jesus did. He modeled that. Very clearly he modeled that. And he talked about it. And he continues to pour that kind of action love over those who choose to follow him. And he pours that over people who have not yet chosen to follow him as invitation to be a part of who he is and the love that he is. He models love in action. At one point he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. That's love. It's love in action. And Jesus, of course, models that by laying down his own life. I don't have to hear Jesus say the words, Alan, I love you, to know that he loves me because he loves beyond words. The character in the Christmas story that I want to look at this morning is Joseph. And the Swishers read uh, the pa- passage there from Matthew, which is the story of Joseph. We're going to spend our time there in Matthew chapter 1. It's pretty interesting. Matthew mentions Joseph, but doesn't talk so much about Mary. Whereas Luke, which is the main gospel version of the Christmas story, talks a whole lot about, Luke, about Mary, doesn't mention Joseph very much. Luke talks about Mary's relative, Elizabeth, who gets pregnant with a boy who will become John the Baptist, the one who precedes Jesus. And in Luke, he talks about an angel visiting Mary, and he talks about Mary visiting Elizabeth, and he talks about the birth of John the Baptist, and Luke talks about the birth of of Jesus. Very little mention of Joseph. Kind of reminds me of the story when each of my kids were born, that we'd be in the hospital, and people would come to the hospital, and they'd come in and say, how is everybody? And I'd say, well, thanks for asking. Um, my back kind of hurts. It was a rough night because I had to sleep on that fold-out bed. You know, it's a little bit rough. So, but I'm doing, I didn't get much sleep, but I'm doing, oh, oh, you mean the mom and the baby. Okay, this is a Luke version of the story. Okay, I wasn't quite catching that. See, because Matthew, he acknowledges that Joseph was around. And Matthew's very intentional about this. Matthew more than any of the other Gospels, he is targeting a Jewish audience. And he wants to make it very clear in his version of the story of Jesus that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah that the people of God have been waiting for for thousands of years. Jesus is that Messiah. He quotes the Old Testament more than the other Gospels. He wants to make it very clear every step of the way, this is the one we've been talking about for hundreds of years. I talked about this last week that Matthew is the one who starts off the very first chapter talking about the lineage of Joseph, that Joseph was of the line of David. He was from the root of Jesse. This was very important to Matthew. He wants to make it known that Joseph is a significant part of this story. 
Now, it doesn't say it in Luke or Matthew, but I would imagine that Mary and Joseph really loved each other. I mean, that they, that they really enjoyed one another. They were a young couple, and I can imagine Joseph saying to Mary, I love you, and dropping those words, I love you. And they're playing dreidel together. And, and she wins, and she says, I love you, honey. And they're interacting, and they love one another. My guess is she was an easy person to love. She was an amazing woman. She was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. She was an easy person to love until she got pregnant. Then Joseph had to make a decision, and love became hard. He had to deal with the reality of the situation there. Where does his faith come in? Where do his beliefs fit in? Love had to turn into an action. He had to be intentional. Love became more than words, more than just saying, I love you, Mary. We find this in his story in Matthew chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 18. I think there's a couple things in this story that Joseph informs us about in terms of how we are to love beyond words. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, in this, in this culture, when you are engaged to be married, it is as good as if you were married. You just have not consummated the marriage yet. And so the passage says that he was pledged to be married to Mary, but it hadn't happened yet. They hadn't, they hadn't gotten married yet. But he's referred to there as the husband of Mary. He is the they're, they're only pledged to be married, but he's the husband. And it, and it talks about divorce. So it's very different than our culture that when they are pledged to be married, it is as good as, it, as, as if it had happened, um, spiritually and legally. That if he wanted to pull out at that point, he needed to go through a divorce process and not just ask for the ring back. And so uh, it also says that he was a righteous man. And he had the option of either divorcing her privately or publicly. To divorce her privately meant to get two or three witnesses on the side and say, hey, we're going to move forward with this and, and move away from the relationship that, that we're in. Publicly would have meant to come before the magistrate, before all the powerful holy ones in the neighborhood and make sure it's a very public experience. And so he's saying that he wants to do that privately. Just because he's considering the divorce option doesn't mean he doesn't believe Mary. It doesn't say he did not believe Mary at all, and so he was going to proceed with this. It says he was a righteous man. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to do what was in the best interest of Mary. And so what he models for us is that love beyond words means that we honor the other person, even when it hurts. We honor the other person even when it doesn't feel easy to do that. We honor the other person. We have such a tendency to put down other people, whether it's your spouse or other people you do life with. We feel better about ourselves as long as we can just bump somebody down. The last thing we want is somebody to be above us. We want to just drop them down a little bit. And the way we honor one another, the way we love beyond words, is to elevate other people, is to honor, lift up other people. 
And so Joseph was, was saying here, I want to do all that I can to lift her up, to help her. I do not want to humiliate her. Later on in the New Testament, Paul says in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love always trusts. I've talked about this before. Those are three powerful words. Love always trusts, which means we give the other person the benefit of the doubt. We give the other person the benefit of the doubt. We, um, we, we have their best interest in mind. And even though the, all these things have happened in the past, here in this situation, I'm not going to take all of that old information and clump it down into this new situation and assume the worst of the person. I am going to assume the best of the person. Now, of course, there are times where we get into the reality that, hey, it has happened or whatever the thing. We've got to deal with it, absolutely. But may we not enter into those situations with some of the information and assume the worst. Love always trusts. Regardless of how painful it was in the past, we say, in this situation, again, I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to honor you. Love always trusts. Mary was easy to love until she got pregnant. Let me keep reading. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the first thing that I think we can draw from Joseph's model, from Joseph's story here, is he, he honors her. But also in this story, he obeys God. He listens to what God is saying in this situation. He doesn't just trust his own feelings. He had plenty of reason to walk away from her. Plenty of information to just, to just get out of the situation. His life would have, would have perhaps been a whole lot easier. He had the opportunity, I imagine, to listen to friends and, and maybe even relatives who would have said, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. But he says, no, I'm going to obey God. I am going to listen to God on this one. I'm going to lean into what God is saying. Has God ever prompted you to love someone beyond words? Has, do you ever have a sense, whether it is a song or a message or just an impression, that God is asking you to love someone beyond reason, beyond words. For Joseph, it was a dream. I think God can speak to us in dreams. This week I had a dream about an eight-year-old girl who was putting the, the mask on me while I was lying down uh, to put me to sleep because she was about to do surgery on me. And uh, her parents were, I could, through my blurry vision, I could see her parents at the foot of the bed, kind of off to the right. They were kind of looking with, with pride, and they, they were whispering to me saying, it's okay, um, her birthday's in two weeks and she'll be nine. That was, her way, that was their way of reassuring me, it's okay. It's okay to let her cut you up. Now, uh, I have no clue what that dream means. And if any, I've had a few suggestions so far this morning, and if anybody knows what that means, uh, I'd love to hear it. God uh, doesn't always speak to us directly, clearly in dreams. Not every time that there's a dream is that, boom, okay, God wants me to do this or whatever. But I believe he does speak in dreams. 
And I believe they are things we should pay attention to. God speaks to us supernaturally. Have you ever had a sense where you have felt God wanted you to love someone beyond words? Maybe you're in Starbucks and you just have a sense that there's, there's somebody behind you that you are to pay for. You are, just, you are just to take care of that. You are just to bless them in some way. Maybe there's somebody that you have a natural tendency to, to step back from because they're noisy or they're smelly or whatever the situation is, you're going, ooh, I, I want to get my distance from that. It, could it be that God is saying, I want you to bless that. I'm, I'm, I want to get your attention with that person because I want you to bless that person. Have you ever had a sense that God is supernaturally inviting you to love someone beyond words. I think verse 24 is a powerful verse. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's love in action. That's love Beyond words, not just saying, he did it. Love is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not tears, it's not intentions. It's action. It's, it's doing something. Do you have a sense in your life right now that God may be inviting you, challenging you to love someone in your life beyond words? Maybe somebody that you would like to keep your distance from, but God continues to put that person in your life, and he's wanting you to love that person beyond words. Maybe, I mean, how might God want you to love your spouse beyond words right now, this season? How might God want you to love your parents beyond words, to love your kids beyond words, coworkers, neighbors beyond just a kind word? which again is a beautiful, powerful thing. But Jesus and Joseph model love in action, love beyond words. My wife's uh, best friend from Cincinnati uh, has a little uh, daughter named Sydney. Her, her oldest, Sydney, was best friends with my oldest, Gordon. So this is Gordon. This was taken a number of years ago when they visited here. Um, and, you know, I, like you, think that nobody's good enough for my kids. But I have made it very clear to Gordon that uh, he could marry Sydney uh, if he wanted to. She is a sweetheart. Uh, she is a wonderful, we, you know, we connect with their family, love their family. And, um, and uh, Sydney's mom sent an email to my wife just explaining a little uh, story that happened with Sydney this week. And I want to read you part of that email. Sydney's mom writes, at my church, the students have been talking about Destiny Rescue, an organization that rescues children from human trafficking and sexual exploitation. Sydney was so impacted by their message that she decided she wanted to rescue a girl by Christmas. After a girl is rescued, she lives in a home sponsored by Destiny Rescue. She's given medical attention, counseling, and taught a skilled trade. Their success rate of not re-entering human trafficking is 90%. Rescuing a girl costs $1,500. We were supportive of her goal, but told her that it was not very realistic. See, we know her parents, and um, they're pagans. They do, not have, they do not have strong faith. Just kidding. Um, but they, they gave kind of a realistic response to their sweet little 11-year-old. 
So Sidney prayed about it daily, sold toys on Craigslist, made and sold ornaments, and wrote a proposal to a company for consideration for their, their year-end charitable giving. She raised $3,030. She can rescue two girls after telling her how amazing it was that she is changing the lives of two girls. She told me that it isn't me, Mom, it's God. To which I replied, yes, it is God, but you are being his hands and his feet here on earth. Not bad from an 11-year-old. You can see why I would be okay with Gordon marrying this girl. <laughs> see, here's, here's a girl at 11 who understands that we are to love beyond words. Now, she could very well have heard the reality of, of these girls who are used in human trafficking, and she could have said, Mom, I feel badly about what's happening with these girls. She could have cried, and her mom could have consoled her with that and talked through that. She could have even said, Mom, I'm thankful that I didn't grow up in a place like that. It's, it's ju it just happens to be that God allowed me to grow up in this home where I am loved, and I'm thankful for that. Both of those responses would have been great. They would be godly Christian responses to have compassion and to be thankful, absolutely. But she went a step quite a bit further to say, no, I'm, I'm going to respond with love beyond words. And she jumped in and did her thing. We're going to close today by giving you an opportunity to love beyond words. For the last past few weeks, we've been talking about our Christmas outreach offering. If you're brand new with us here today, you can just kind of sit back and just kind of listen to what's going on. But we have been talking about our Christmas outreach offering. Twice a year, we will take up an offering where every penny that comes in will go outside of these walls to bless other people, in addition to the other ways that we want to bless people outside of these walls. But every dollar today, every penny, will go uh, to bless others. We do this once around Easter and once around Christmas. And we've been talking over the last few weeks about specific ways that we as a church are, are, have a goal today of $76,000 that we can love beyond words other people, that we can love beyond words, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, people in Phoenix with gangs, uh, from gangs to jobs, Natividad's organization that pours into people who, who, need, who, need, uh, who need our help, who need love beyond just saying, hey, I love you, I want you to know God loves you. That we can love beyond words with family promise and, and families that are in need of a uh, um, little encouragement in their journeys. We can love beyond words in Rocky Point where teams continue to go down there and help build homes. We can love beyond words in Honduras where we have had an ongoing relationship with our sister church there and a number of folks in our church have gone to be a part of that and continue those relationships and, and continue to help them in, in their situation to love beyond words in terms of starving children around the world as we team up with Feed My Starving Children and to love beyond words in other ways that God is calling us to. But we're going to close here with, uh, with a couple songs. The band is going to come out and lead us in a couple more songs. And it's an opportunity for us to respond to God, for us to, for us to, for us to simply love beyond just our words. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you loved us beyond words. I thank you that, uh, Jesus, you didn't even have to say I love you because it was so obvious by the way you lived your life. And 
Father, would you inspire us to live lives like that? That we would continue to say to the people in our lives, I love you, but that we wouldn't even have to because of how we're living our lives and how we're treating them. That we could continue to say, I I love people around the world, but that we wouldn't even have to because of how we are living our lives. How we are giving generously and participating generously in terms of our time and our talents. God, I pray that you'd bless this moment as we experience what it means to love beyond words. In Jesus' name, amen.